Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Ushers have them, so just wave, just wave at them. And um, once you have a Bible in hand, or if you already have yours, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We are in the last part of Matthew chapter 5 today as we continue walking through Sermon on the Mount. And as I have said each of the previous weeks, I say again today, um, it gets more impossible the further we go in in this passage of Scripture. Uh, Jesus is laying out for us a new kingdom and a new covenant and doing what he talks about here in your own strength, in your own flesh, is impossible. There's no way. He gets to kind of the positive side of what we talked about last week, because last week we talked about not retaliating, not having this spirit of retaliation when someone harms you or or insults you, um, to not have to retaliate, to not have to get even, to get revenge. And so he talked about that in a, it's more of a passive sense. But today he's going to continue that same thought in a more active sense, instead of being passive in this, and because the scripture said last week, um, don't just just receive it. Don't have to retaliate. Don't have to get even. Don't do any of that. Just just receive it. This week, he's going to tell you what to do when these things happen. All right, Lord, would you guide us as we look at your word today? Would you open it up? Would you show us what only you can? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew five beginning in verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now again, who said this? The first part you can find in the Old Testament law. In Leviticus 19.18, the Lord says, I want you to love your neighbor. Okay, And he talks about how we treat neighbors and what we do. It did not say there, it didn't go on, nowhere can you find in, in, the, in the writings of Moses in the Old Testament law where it says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The Pharisees added that. Now you could say, well, that's horrible of them to add that, but to cut them a little bit of slack, if you read through the Old Testament, it's especially when Israel was coming into the promised land, they were coming into this new territory, and the Lord gave instruction to go in and wipe out these people in front of you, all right? So they took this instruction that God gave in a specific situation, applied it across the board, and basically said, you're supposed to love other Jewish people, all right? You love your neighbor, you're supposed to care about them, you hate everybody else, all right? It's, as a matter of fact, it's a godly thing to hate everybody else. So you pick your group, you pick your clan, if we want to apply it today, you pick your, the group that you're part of, you love them, you hate everybody else. And this really was the teaching. This is what Jesus is coming against. He said, you've heard this, but he goes on to say, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your Father who's in heaven. I want to stop here for just a second. How many of you have, in your translation of the Bible, more than what's written right here? Anybody have more? That's a few hands here and there. Depending on which version you have, there'll be extra stuff in this verse. Um, this one just says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Some of you may have something that says, love your enemies, um, and it talks about doing good Um, or bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, all right? You say, well, 
That's a whole lot more than what we have right here. There's a, there's a reason why that's the case, and you'll see depending on which translation you have. There, there are the original, the, what they call the authorized version, usually what people refer to as the King James Version, which is 1611. There were a certain number of manuscripts available when they made that translation. Since that time, over the last 400 and some odd years, they have discovered other manuscripts that go along, all right? Same sections of scripture, different manuscripts. And many of those manuscripts do not include, they just simply have what you see in front of us. So some translators have made that decision to just go with other manuscripts and, and not the ones that, that, the earlier manuscripts that, that had more in them, okay? To me, I, I'm not a translator, I'm not a scholar, I just want you to understand what's happening here, but I believe it's important, and all of this is part of what God wants us to know. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at some of that in the authorized version and what he said because it's very practical and how we deal with those who are enemies, okay? I want to stop before I go on to who's your enemy? How do you define enemies? I think it's important. Jesus defined neighbors for them because they didn't understand who their neighbor was. As a matter of fact, some of the scribes came to him and said, who is our neighbor? Because he's talking about, about doing good to your neighbor. They said, who is our neighbor? And what does he do? He immediately tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, that's an interesting thing because Jesus just opened up the circle. He expanded the circle. And he said, people that you have racial and religious animosity against, because that's what was happening there between the Jews and the Samaritan. He said, those are your neighbors. It's more than just this small group of people. He expanded it out. It's much bigger. So as I was praying this week, I said, Lord, you expanded out neighbors to let us see that it's much bigger than what we think. What about enemies? Lord, who are enemies? And the Holy Spirit prompted me with something. He just spoke it to my heart. And he said, it's in the verse. So what do you mean it's in the verse? He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And just very clearly to my heart, he said, those that you don't want to pray for are your enemies. Those in the moment, and that list can be really, really long. Have there ever been moments you didn't want to pray for your spouse? You want to do something else to them, but you didn't want to pray for them. In that moment, they're your enemy. Do you have children sometime that you might strangle them, but pray for them is the last thing on your mind? Coworkers, people here in church, that when you think about them, you, can, you, can, you could have a conversation about them. You might be happy to talk to people about them. It's easy for you to be angry with them, but it's not really on your heart to pray for them especially to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. And we're going to look at that a little bit more in just a few minutes. I believe the Lord really spoke to my heart in this and said, Troy, you have to expand your definition of enemies. It's easy to take and say, okay, ISIS is my enemy. You know, they, people who want to kill me and they don't even know me. They're my enemy. Okay, that, that's easy and vague and quite honestly doesn't affect me day to day, most of the time. But someone in my family, someone in my church family, someone where I work. Sometimes the person driving down the road next to me becomes my enemy. 
And the last thing I want to do is pray for them. The Holy Spirit said, Troy, if you don't want to pray for them, in that moment, that's a good indication they're your enemy. So he goes on. Look at the next verse with me. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is what the old theologians would call common grace. Have you ever heard that term, common grace? It's, um, it's, a, it's a theological term. It just simply means that when God's blessing one, that blessing often pours out on someone else. Not because they've earned it or deserved it, because none of us earn it or deserve it. But some of us believe him. We follow him. So here you have a righteous farmer who loves God and he's praying for rain because they need rain. He's got a neighbor who's ungodly, unrighteous, could care less about God and didn't once pray for rain. But it rains on the righteous man and what, lo and behold, it rains on the unrighteous man as well because of proximity there, because God, his mercy, his grace is showered on all. This is not to be confused as though all are saved, that all are just because God is, because of common grace, Everyone is a believer. Everyone is born again. Everyone is part of the family. That's not what he's saying here. He's simply saying that God does merciful, gracious things, and both righteous people and unrighteous people benefit from them. He says that he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Look at the next verse with me. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Now, again, you have to remember in Jewish culture, nobody was more hated than tax collectors because they were Jewish people who basically sided with the Romans to take money from their own people. Not only were they taking taxes that were required, but usually they were taking more than was required and padding their own purse. As a matter of fact, that's the reason that when you see Zacchaeus, when you see him and, and he talks about all those I have stolen money from, I will pay them back fourfold. Where did he get that? That was from the Old Testament law. He says, I have taken, not only did I take what the law required, I took extra for myself. All those I have stolen from, I will pay back fourfold. That's when you know God's gotten a hold of somebody's heart. Because I want to make restitution. I want to make this right. But these tax collectors, he said, if you just love those who love you, you're no different than tax, tax collectors do that unrighteous people that lost people do that they love the people that love them what are the ones who don't love you by the way if you want to expand that definition of who your enemy is beyond i don't feel like praying for you people who don't love you be your enemy can you think of people who don't love you Maybe there are people who should love you. Maybe they're supposed to love you. It's expected that they do love you, but they don't. They become your enemy. Look at the next verse with me. And if you greet only your brothers, what more do you than others? What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Even Gentiles do this. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. When I was in EE, and when we used to train in EE, we used this verse all the time. 
when people thought, you know, I'm good enough. I, you know, yeah, I'm not all I should be, but I'm good enough. And, and it can be applied that way. But it's in the context of Matthew chapter 5. We've been reading and studying all this time and we're going through here. And again, Jesus is driving home the point, you cannot do this. Let me ask you, anybody in here perfect? This is a trick question, by the way. Anybody in here perfect? You're saying no, you're not perfect because you're thinking of your actions and your attitudes and the things you've done even today or this week or last night. And in that sense, none of us are perfect. We are not perfect in our deeds. We're not perfect in our thoughts and our attitudes. On the flip side, are any of you perfect? Yes. Yes, I am. I have been made perfect. I have been perfected in faith. I am as perfect as Jesus is perfect. Now, that's hard for us to wrap our mind around because we know ourselves and we know each other. When Jesus is talking here, he's saying you need to be perfect as your Father is perfect. There's two aspects to this. There is the one aspect that faith in Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit makes me perfect. I am perfected by faith. I have, grace has done this in my life. I'm as perfect and as righteous as I will ever be. I'm as perfect and righteous now as I will be when I'm in heaven seeing Jesus face to face. I already am. That's who I am. That's who you are if you're in Christ. That doesn't mean that my deeds are perfect or that my thoughts are always perfect or that my words are perfect. That's a transforming process that's happening in my life. But Jesus is saying this needs to be ongoing in you and me. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. There's the goal. There's the, not only have I been made that way spiritually speaking and positionally, but he says, I want to transform the way you respond. And he says, there will be no finer opportunity for this to be on display than when you love your enemies. When you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. They want to hurt you. If you take the, the old King James Version Bless those who curse you. Can I give that to you in simple terms? Use kind words when people use harsh words with you. Return kind for harsh. That's the natural thing, right? That's what you automatically think to do, right? No. Somebody uses harsh words? I got some of my own. What do we say? I'm going to give you a piece of my... You know what it is. You probably did it this week. All right? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Which basically means you gave me some harsh words, you did some hurtful things, I'm going to give it right back to you. I can give as good as I get. Jesus is saying, no. No. Bless those who curse you. It is not easy. Matter of fact, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. You can't do that. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to them. It's one thing to do good to people that like you and are good to you, but the people that hate you, do good to them. Years ago, I was listening to a message by Ravi Zacharias, and he told a story. And I've tried to find, I've looked and searched, and I've tried to find so I can verify all the details of this, and I haven't been able to. I just heard it on a message he was preaching. But I take it as truthful. I don't think he would be dishonest in it. But he knew and had contact with this woman who had married a man as a young woman. They got married, they were in love, 
They had children. I can't remember how many. It seems like two or three children. And time goes on. The children are getting a little older. You know, they're like a teenager and 10-year-old and a 5-year-old, something like that. And the husband decides one day that he has fallen in love with another woman. And so he leaves his wife and his children, completely leaves them, I mean, deserts them. No financial support, no care, no con, nothing. He just leaves, and he runs off with this other woman. Ultimately, if I remember the story right, ultimately marrying this woman. She was younger than his first wife, and, and um, they spend time together, and a number of years pass. And one day, the husband calls his, his first wife. And he said, you know, I'm calling you because I have cancer and I'm dying. I, I have a matter of weeks to live. And he said, you know, I have, I have horribly mistreated you. I was wrong in what I did. Um, but I have this new wife, you know, this new person in my life. And I have not done anything to take care of her and I'm dying would you be willing to take care of her would you be willing to try to help her I don't know about you but I got a quick answer for that one <laughs> can you imagine what you would say in that situation and so this woman she was quiet for a minute and she's praying and if I remember the story correctly, she didn't answer him right away. She said, you know, let me pray for a little bit. I'll call you back. And she did. She prayed. And she called him back. And she said, you know, um, for many years, I felt like this woman was my enemy. But Jesus tells me to love my enemies. This second wife, after he died, moved in with the first wife and her children because she had nowhere to go. And God did some incredible supernatural things, but none greater than what he did in that first wife's heart. None greater than that. Now you say, that's, that's impossible, and I would agree with you, that is impossible. You cannot do that apart from the power of God. Now some of you are sitting there saying, that's not even right, you shouldn't do that. I just refer you back to what Jesus said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And you tell me again she was wrong in what she did. I think what she did is impossible. I can't even imagine. I can't hardly even fathom it. But she wasn't wrong in it. Can you imagine the opportunities that you have to talk about Jesus as God does these types of things in your life and in my life? As he allows us to experience what only he can do, and people come and say, you're crazy. I mean, how do you do this? And yet they'd be able to observe and watch in your life that you're not doing something out of religious duty. You're not doing something because somebody manipulated you or made you do it but because of the power of God at work in you to do, what does Ephesians 3 say? He, he works exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Love your enemies. 
Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I can tell you in my own life that the only way that I'm able to walk without bitterness is by practicing what Jesus talked about here. And I don't do it because I'm spiritual. I'm a fighter. I am by nature. By nature, I'm an ornery individual, all right? That is who I am. I'd rather fight you than let you take anything from me. I would die rather than lose an argument. That's who I am, naturally speaking. Even if I'm wrong, I'm not going to admit it. That's who I am. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. She lived with me. All right? God gave me someone very different. That's the reason we stayed together. All right? While God's doing this work, I can still be that way. I'm grateful for what God's done, but I can still be... I can be an ornery cuss. My phone just beeped. I'm supposed to have them turned off. I tell you to turn them off, and mine just went off. All right, I've got to turn that off. Okay. If you forgot to silence your phone, you can follow my bad example and do it now, all right? Um, the fact is that there have been any number of experiences in my life where the Lord's had to take me deeper in this and say, Troy, will you believe me and let me do a work in you so that you can love your enemies? That you can bless those who speak. It could be harsh words. It could be false words. That's one of the hardest. And I've had any number of people speak false words about me in my life. You probably have too. That may be one of the hardest because there's a sense of justice that rises up in us. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't try to correct the record if you have the opportunity. But sometimes, no matter what you say or do, you can't. It won't, it's, it's not received. It's unable. It's, it's, you just can't, you can't communicate it. So what are you going to do? How about those who hate you? How can I do good to those who hate me? And pray for. This has been the biggest in my life. Is God allowing me to pray for people who spitefully use me or, or want to harm me, want to hurt? I'll be able to pray for them. What are we praying for? I've shared this. I'm going to do it real quickly. I've shared this before, but I think it's important. I'm going to share it again. We will get into this more detail in the next chapter, chapter six. But the Lord's Prayer is a model, it's not a mantra. You, see, you know the difference between a mantra and a model? A mantra is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. You know, I got it done. I said it. That's a mantra. All right? A model means it's not the exact wording that's important. It is the spirit. It's the principle behind the words. So what do I do with this person who is my enemy? I start with, Lord, I praise you and thank you that you're not my, I'm not your enemy anymore. I was once your enemy but we, I have been reconciled to you. When I was your enemy, you still loved me. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for that. And I praise you and thank you that that same power is at work in me to do the same thing. And Lord, in this, I want your will and I want your kingdom to be advanced more than I want my own way. So Lord, 
Give me today what I need to be able to do this. Give me my daily bread. Give me the patience I need. Give me the peace I need. Give me the courage I need. Lord, just give me a mute mouth. I mean, Lord, give me what I need today. Give me this day, my daily bread. Lord, in this area of forgiveness, start with me. It's easy for me to focus on somebody else's unforgiveness, but Lord, start with me. Show me my own unforgiveness. Lord, do a work there. Let me receive your forgiveness and give it away freely. Lord, where the enemies at work here, I stand against him in the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. I bind and rebuke him because I know he's got a hand in some of this. So I stand against him in your name and in your blood. And Lord, no matter what happens, you get all the glory and all the honor. No matter how this thing turns out, no matter where it goes. See, that's not a mantra. That'll change your life. And you begin to pray for your enemies in that way, because Jesus put it there for a reason. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Lori, come play. And I just want Lori to play for a minute. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you right now, to bring to mind your heart, Lord, who are my enemies today, right now? Based on this definition that Jesus gives us here, who are my enemies? Maybe one, two, ten, I don't know. Just have the Holy Spirit show me. Maybe you've not thought of them this way, but they're your enemies. Just ask him to show you. Maybe you already know. He doesn't have to show you anything. You already know. Can you see their face? Does it change your pulse when you see their face? Do you feel an inner angst when you think about them? Do you feel pain, sorrow? Could you, in this moment, receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, the full working of who He is in your life, and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to agree with you. By the power of your Spirit at work in me, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to receive your grace and your power to love and fill in the blank. Not out loud, but just when you and the Lord fill in the blank. Jesus, give me words to bless them, even if they speak harsh or untrue words about me. Give me words that I can bless them with. Where I can speak kindly, where I can speak gentle, sometimes where I can just speak softly. Proverbs is true. A soft answer turns away wrath, turns away anger, but 
but harsh, grievous, angry words stir up more anger. Lord, show me how to do good for those who hate me. you to do in their life the things that I want you to do in mine. Lord, I want to see you. I want to worship you. I want to be yours more totally, more completely than I've ever been. Lord, I pray that for them too. They may not even know you yet, but Lord, so Lord, I pray for their salvation. Lord, I want to see you advance your kingdom in me and in them. Advance your kingdom. Do your kingdom work. Lord, give them today their daily bread, what they need, just like I'm asking you to give me daily bread. Give it to them. Give them what they need today. Meet their needs today, Lord. Lord, where they have unforgiveness and their heart is bitter, I pray you do a work in them just like you do in me. I pray for your spirit to move and there'd be a spirit of forgiveness that you would give to them. Where the enemies at work, I pray against them. Even where they can't see, I'm not going to get angry at an individual when the enemy's working in and through them. Lord, help me remember that and believe that, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Lord, in this situation, I give you glory. Yours is the honor, the glory, and the power forever and ever. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning for each one here because there's not a person in this room who doesn't have enemies. Show us, Lord. First of all, Lord, help us to receive and believe what you say. And then show us how you want us to speak, how you want us to, to do good. Show us, Lord, how you want us to pray change our heart set us free even in the process of obeying you set us free Lord none of us can control what people say and do to us we, it's outside of our ability to control that but we can by your power by your spirit control how we respond to it 
that is under your power and that self-control that you give us by the work of your spirit and that love and that joy and the peace and the gentleness the forgiveness Lord that's ours it's ours for the claiming for receiving and walking in help us to be able to do that Lord, help us apply it right here in our own church family. Offenses come. They do. Hurts and wounds. Lord, help us love those within our own body that become an enemy at whatever time, in whatever way. Oh, we pray for your full working Holy Spirit in us and through us. And while you're still in an attitude of prayer, before we, before we, before we end today, <clears throat> not sure it would be wise to communicate to whoever's in your mind that they're your enemy. That's probably not a good move on your part. They may not receive that real well. It's just something the Lord shows you. And he shows you how to begin to respond to them. If you go to them and say, you know, you're my enemy, but the Lord told me to love you, so I'm going to love you. You may have a new problem. So it's just between you and the Lord. This is personal. But they'll see it. They'll know. They'll know something's changed. At some point, they may ask you, and you may be able to tell them. But until then, it's just between you and the Lord. That's hard, too. Because when God's doing something, you want to talk about it. But just trust Him with it. Lord, I pray again that we're going to see you produce much fruit in all of our lives because we believe you in this matter. Even though it doesn't seem right or feel right, it seems unnatural, Lord. I guess it is unnatural. It's supernatural. And so, Lord, help us. And Lord, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, well, then they're not, it, this is impossible. They're not capable of doing this in their own strength, at least not not fully, not the way you intended, not for the long term. So Lord, I pray, if there's anyone here today, they don't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come to the front here. If we can pray with you, maybe they're there's some situations that are really matter of fact there's no maybe there are some tough situations out there and you say Troy you don't know what's been done to me I don't and I can, but I've heard horror stories I can imagine Jesus is still Jesus his truth is still truth if there was another way I promise you I have studied I've looked, I would tell you about it because a lot of times I don't like this way if I could pick a different, Jesus didn't like this way all the time. Remember when he goes to, when he's there and gets it, Lord, Father, if there's another way, can we do that instead of this one? Nevertheless, not my will, Lord, yours be done. If there were another way to walk in freedom and forgiveness, I tell you, I don't know of it. I, I don't see it anywhere in scripture. This is the way and it's right and it's powerful. Just trust him. 
But if we can pray with you about anything, let us do that. Because it's not easy. I know it's not easy. Let us pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. I want you to do something for me before you leave. Just turn to the person on your right-hand side. Just say, God's good. Just tell them, God's good. That's good. That's good. Now, now, now turn to the person on the other side and tell them, he's, he can take care of my enemies. Just tell the person on the other side, he can take care of my enemies. Now turn back to the person on the other side and tell them, I don't have to. Just tell them, I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to. All right. God bless you.